भद्रम कर्णे भीषणुयाम देवा भद्रम पश्येमाक्षत्रा स्थिरंगुष्टवागुंसस्तनु व्यशेम देवित यदायु स्वस्ति नो वृद्धश्रवा स्वस्ति नूषा विश्वेदा स्वस्ति नस्ताक्ष्यो अरिष्टनेमी स्वस्ति नो बृहस्पतिर्दा ओं शाति 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 ओम ओ गॉड्स मे वी हियर ऑस्पिशियस वर्ड्स विथ आर इयर्स वाइल एंगेज्ड इन सैक्रिफाइसेस मे वी सी ऑस्पिशियस थिंग्स विथ आर आईज वाइल प्रेजिंग द गॉड्स विथ स्टडी लिम्स मे वी एंजॉय अ लाइफ दैट इज बेनिफिशियल टू द गॉड्स मे इंद्र ऑफ एंशियंट फेम बी ऑस्पिशियस टू अस मे दी ऑल नोइंग पूषा गॉड ऑफ द अर्थ बी प्रोपिशियस टू अस मे गरुड़ा द डिस्ट्रॉयर ऑफ ईवल be well disposed towards us may brihaspati ensure our welfare om peace 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 so we are studying the mundakopanishad and um, as we know the mundakopanishad has um three chapters they are called mundakas three chapters and each chapter has two sections we have completed two chapters Uh, the last second chapter second section was also completed we have now started the third chapter the third mundaka and the first section of that and we came across this uh, metaphor of the two birds uh, very well known very famous one of the things which the upanishad are known for the two birds two birds on the same tree they basically describe our spiritual situation what we are what's going on what is god what is our goal what is our problem why are we suffering and what are we supposed to do everything is there in that um the first mantra which i read last time we have done the first two mantras the first mantra sets out the two birds dwa suparna sayuja sakhaya samanam vriksham parishasvajate ियंटिकुटिकुटिकुटिकुटिकुटिकुटिकुटिकुटिकुटिकुटिकुटिकुटिकुटिकुटिकुटिकुटिकुटिकुटिकुटिकुटिकुटिकुटिकुटिकुट
and sees this calm, serene, peaceful, and then wants to be like that. It's attracted somehow towards that higher bird and so moves up. So this attraction to spiritual life basically moves up towards that higher bird, but then gets distracted, sees another nice looking fruit and uh, eats it and it's very sweet and it completely forgets uh, its spiritual quest. And then goes on hopping around on from branch to branch and eating the fruits sweet and bitter until it gets a big shock, a particularly bitter fruit. So all this is Vivekananda describes it. And then it moves towards the higher bird. As it gets closer to the higher bird, it's engulfed in the radiance from the higher bird and suddenly realizes there is no higher bird. And there's no lower bird. There's only one bird. And the higher bird is the only bird that, ev that there ever was. And the story comes to an end there. So this is the story of our spiritual life. Dwa Suparna, two birds. They, who are they? Both of them are us actually. But when we start off the Upanishad, it talks about the lower bird being the jiva, the sentient being, you or I, here in this body. I feel I am here in this body. This I who feel I am here in this body, uh, this is the lower bird, the embodied person, the jiva. And who's the higher bird? Often we may um, think that the higher bird is uh, pure consciousness and the lower bird is the reflected consciousness. And it would not be wrong, but in the Upanishad and according to Shankara's commentary, the higher bird is actually God, Ishvara. And the lower bird is Jiva, the sentient being. And remember, God, transcendental also, but God is always described as Antaryami, present in this body and mind present in the bodies and minds of all beings. So, the first thing is, interesting thing is that here in this body, I thought I was alone. There is somebody else in this body. <laughs> so, God is also there in this very body itself. Um, so, there are two birds uh, on this tree, tree of this body. Dwa, Suparna, Sayuja, Sakaya. Two birds. And uh, this you find Bhagavad Gita, for example, Sarvasya Chaam, Hridisan Nivishta, Krishna is saying to Arjuna, in the, I am there in the hearts of all beings. Uh -huh. um, Sarva he says, I stay in the heart of all beings. Brahmayan Sarva Bhutani, I whirl around all beings, Yantra Rudhani Mayaya, as if they are puppets set on a machine. So who is that one who is whirling around everybody as if they are puppets set on the machine? Who are the puppets? The lower bird. And who, who is the one who is whirling them around? The higher bird. Of the higher bird, there is only one. In all the trees, there is actually one higher bird. That's an interesting thing. But the lower bird is different, peculiar to each tree, is embodied in separate trees. But the higher bird is one consciousness in all beings, God appearing in the hearts of all beings and controlling all beings internally. So that's the higher bird. So therefore, two, dwa. Um, Sayuja, they're always together. The controller and the controlled, the human and the divine, they're always together. Higher bird and lower bird are together. If you want to go the way of original and reflected con uh, consciousness, your original face and the reflected face, the reflected face means that the original face is always there. Not the other way around though. The original face may be there without the reflected face. But when the reflector is there, there will be a reflected face and the original of course has to be there. 
moonlight and sunlight if there is moonlight there must be at some somewhere sunlight because moonlight is basically reflected sunlight sayuja they go together um sakhaya sakha literally means friends they are friends but uh, um sakha here it means samanam abhivyakti that means they are manifestations of the same principle Shankaracharya says, there is a word used, Suparna. Suparna means um, with glorious plumage, with shining plumage. And here it refers to consciousness. Both are awareness or consciousness or Chaitanya. So both are of the similar nature. Um, which are of the similar nature? Higher bird and lower bird. Ishwara and Jiva. Both are Atma, both are the Self. Now, one might ask, if they are both similar, both of the same nature, both consciousness, higher bird and low, lower bird, why are there two then? Why would we say there are two? A little bit of Vedanta here. What is, um, what is Ishwara or God in Vedanta? And what is Jiva or sentient being in Vedanta? Those who have done Vedanta Sara, they can immediately give the answer. The difference is caused by what is called Upadhi. Um, by this differentiating principle, the same consciousness appears in two different ways. Let me give you an example. Um, so, here is this piece of transparent glass, like a crystal, transparent. It is uh, colorless. Now, suppose I bring this cloth behind it. Now it looks orange. You see, it's transparent. Now it looks orange. Now this cloth is called the upadhi. Something which comes near this transparent glass and lends it its own color. Here is another upadhi, this brown book. I bring, the glass is colorless. You can see the glass, colorless glass. But now I bring the brown book behind it. And the glass, the glass seems to be brown. So the glass seems to be uh, orange. And the glass seems to be brown. But in both cases, the glass is just transparent glass. At no point has it become orange. No point has it become brown. Okay. The cloth is called Upadhi. And this brown book is called Upadhi. So basically Upadhi is defined as um, in Vedanta, is defined as something which comes close and seems to lend its own properties, seems to impose its own properties. So the transparent glass, which has no color of its own, the orange cloth comes close and seems to lend its orange color to the glass, seems to lend, and actually does not lend. Um, the, the brown book comes close and seems to lend its brown color to the transparent glass. Actually, the glass never becomes brown. All right. So this is an upadhi. Why am I saying all this? Imagine Atman, Brahman, pure consciousness. Nothing but pure existence, consciousness, bliss. Limitless existence, consciousness, bliss. That's the only reality according to Advaita Vedanta. Now, and I'm speaking from uh, Vedanta Sar. And what are we trying to do? We're trying to differentiate between Ishwar or God or Saguna Brahman and Jiva, sentient being, the two birds. What are the two birds from the Vedantic perspective? So, 
The upadhis are different. Therefore, the same consciousness appears as God in the one case as the um, sentient being in the other case. In Sanskrit, it's the same consciousness. One consciousness only. One Brahman alone appears as Ishvara, appears as Jiva. But in either case, it still remains that one Brahman. Just like the glass remains the colorless glass. Now, why did the, in one case the glass appeared orange, another case the glass appeared brown. Why did the glass appear orange? Because of the orange upadhi. Why did the glass appear brown? Because of the brown upadhi. Now the brown glass and the orange glass, they look very different from each other. They seem to be very different. Um, although you know that they are the same colorless glass. Similarly, the upadhis are different. The upadhi of Ishwara, a Brahman with Maya is called Ishwara. Maya is the upadhi. I'm not going to go into the definition of Maya. Maya is basically power. Um, so Maya, the power of Maya uh, is the upadhi for pure consciousness. And then with, Ma with Maya, with the presence of Maya, pure consciousness is called Ishwara, God. I repeat that. You know, Samashti Agyana Upahita Chaitanyam. And this is the technical definition from Vedanta Sara. Uh, when the totality of power, called, which is called Maya, becomes the Upadhi for pure consciousness, then that pure consciousness with Maya is called Saguna Brahman, Ishwara, God. Multiple names are there. That's the God we worship in religion. It is characterized by things like um, omnipotence, omniscience, omnipresence. Sarvagya, Sarvabhyapi, Sarvashaktiman. Why, why, why does it have these qualities? Because of Maya. Maya is the one which um, appears as these powers in consciousness and makes it God. And then the uh, same consciousness with another Upadhi, the Upadhi is called Agyana or ignorance, uh, becomes Jiva. The Jiva, the sentient being, is characterized by Alpagya, uh, Alpashaktiman, with limited knowledge, limited power, just limited beings like us. Now, Ishwara is one because Maya is one. So there's only one Ishwara. But Agyana or ignorance is many, many, limitless. So Jivas are many. Consciousness being one, but with multiple Agyanas, it seems to be multiple Jivas. Um, just like you have a, a, you know, a sun reflected in thousand dewdrops. You see thousand tiny suns there in the dewdrops. So similarly, in the thousands and millions of upadhis of ignorance, of avidya, uh, you see you have millions of living beings, sentient beings. So the sentient beings are many, many, many. God is one. Now, this is the meaning of, I make, all I'm explaining is dwa, two birds. These are two birds. And this one bird, which is God, the higher bird, is all-pervading. Being all-pervading, it's, it's there in every tree. That means in, um, in every body. So God is here in, in me, in you, and it's the same God in all of us. And uh, it is all-powerful, all-knowing. It is the controller, and so on. And the sentient beings are many, many, many. And remember, our upadhis are parts of maya. This again from Vedanta Sara. Um, maya is divisible. Pure consciousness is not divisible. But Maya is divisible. And Maya has thousands, millions and billions of little tiny parts. 
So those parts become the upadhis for individual sentient beings. Or we appear because of those upadhis. So this is one way of looking at it. Why? All of this is to answer the question, if there is one non-dual Brahman, where did uh, the tree come from? Where did the other bird come from? Why is all this going on? It's all because of the upadhi, according to Advaita Vedanta. And that's why whatever is in upadhi, remember, it's an appearance. When the orange cloth came near the uh, glass, the glass actually did not become orange. It looks orange. You might say, but there is an orange cloth, something apart from the glass which came. But in the example, there is. But in Vedanta, they will say, Maya, the upadhi, and the ignorance, the upadhis, they are also appearances. They do not constitute a countable second to Brahman. So the upadhis themselves are also appearances in Brahman. Um, all of this is to explain Dwa Suparna Sayuja. So two birds. One of them is a remarkable bird, God, Ishwara, Bhagavan. The other is the sentient being, each of us. And both of them are present, Samanam Riksham, in the same, Parishaswajati, they cling to the same tree. Parishaswajati means they cling to the same tree, which is the tree. Basically, it is samsara, this world, this universe. But more precisely, it is the body. So, this tree. And through this body, the individual sentient being experiences the results of past karma and evolves spiritually that way towards its real nature, which is um, here God. The higher bird in this body is God. And as we evolve towards Ishvara, finally, here is the Advaitic conclusion. When we realize what the uh, higher bird is, we realize that we are the same. That bird is also pure consciousness. I am also pure consciousness. I am not the body, not the mind. I am the witness consciousness. That one is also not consciousness plus maya. It is just pure consciousness. And we are the same. The brown glass and the orange glass are the same. Because the glass is neither brown nor orange. As pure consciousness, we are the same. Here, when Hanuman says, when Ramchandra asks Hanuman, what do you think of me? And Hanuman said, uh, as, uh, uh, as the body, I am the servant and you are the master. Uh, you are God, the Lord, and I am your servant, Hanuman. As the sentient being, you are the total and I am your part. Tvadangshaka, Jiva, I am your part. You are the one consciousness, the one bird in all bodies. And each body, I am there also as a tiny, we are all there as, as uh, the lower bird. So we are all parts of you in that sense. And finally, as pure consciousness, as the glass itself, you and I are one. So, Deha buddhya dasoham, jiva buddhya tvadangshaka, atma buddhya tomevaham, iti me nishchitamati. As pure consciousness, you and I are one. Um, so, this higher bird, which is pure consciousness, um, with the upadhi of maya, it is its higher nature also means that it's the witness. The lower nature means we are identified with this particular body, this particular mind, and we are enjoying and suffering the results of past karma which has come through this particular identification. With this mind, we have been identified with another body. We were on another tree at some time. That tree died, but now we are on this tree. This tree also will die at one point, but we are getting the results of the fruits which which uh, which which are um, you know 
coming which are there the each tree bears the fruits of past karma and we are uh, enjoying and suffering those fruits and eventually evolving first of all we become aware of the presence of god the possibility of god the possibility of spiritual life and finally the highest spiritual realization that i and god are one reality that that one pure consciousness and that sets us free so this is the whole plot behind the two birds and the tree now we have done two mantras the third one talks about enlightenment third and fourth one the first four mantras they talk about the two birds so uh, we are going to conclude that that topic of the two birds the third mantra yada pasya pasyate rukmavarnam kartaram isham purusham brahmayonim tada vidwan punya pape vidhuya niranjana paramam samyam upaiti beautiful mantra it talks about the results what is enlightenment when you realize that i am not the lower bird that's not the higher bird we are one consciousness there's only one reality and i am that one reality then i am the reality in this tree the one consciousness and in all trees in all beings i am that one consciousness in fact there are no other beings no other world apart from me i'll get, read out the english translation when the seer sees the purusha the golden hued creator lord and the source of the inferior brahman um then the illumined one completely shakes off both merit and demerit becomes taintless and attains absolute equality all right so what does that mean this is enlightenment the realization aham brahmasmi i am brahman yada pashya when there is um it's not automatic there will come will come a time in our spiritual evolution when we will will come to see this and the word are also words are also interesting the word pashya literally means the one who sees the one who sees not the one who goes to heaven the one who believes or the one who has experienced something no the one who sees sees in the sense of knowledge the one who realizes literally so pashya is the one who has realized literally it means the one who has seen so yada pashya what what does he do what does the person who who has seen that person sees pashyate sees what does it what does he see the enlightened one rukma varnam literally means the golden hued the golden hued what is the golden hued golden hued means awareness pure consciousness it's basically the radiance of the higher bird as you come closer and closer to god you begin to see the nature of god and you realize i am that are the same reality rukma varnam then you realize you are not the body also that also you realize we realize that i am actually not the body i am actually not the mind and then i am this one pure consciousness then the lower bird identity is lost and uh, with the lower bird also goes the higher bird and all that is left is the golden hue rukma varnam the golden hue what is golden hue pure consciousness the commentator translates swayam jyoti swabhavam that which is self luminous what is self luminous consciousness alone self luminous means light light is used as an example here so everything in this room would be dark the moment you switch on the light everything is in this room is revealed by that light you can see what's what but also interestingly 
The light is something extraordinary. In order to see the light, you don't need to switch on another light. So the light has this unique property of revealing everything around it and itself. Notice, apart from the light, the books and the table and the body and the clothes, they don't reveal themselves, they don't reveal anything else. It would still be dark. No matter how many things you pack into this room, it would still all be dark and not seen until you switch on one light. And the one light can illumine every item in this room and also reveals itself. That's the meaning of self-luminous, that which um, shines, revealing other things and revealing itself. However, Vedanta will say, but the light is also not self-luminous. And to check that, just close your eyes. The light will disappear. Just close your eyes. So even the light is revealed to the eyes. So the eyes are that which reveals the light. And so for sound, ears reveal sound and the tongue reveals tastes and the nose reveals odors and the skin reveals touch. So the senses reveal their objects. The objects are by themselves not self-luminous. But the senses themselves are also revealed by the mind. All the senses finally deposit their data in the mind as you know, sensory data. So we are, we are experiencing in the mind um, sight, smells, taste, touch. Because without, if you don't pay attention, for example, um, then even if the eyes are open, even if the room is well lit, you don't see. Um, if you are sitting in class and you're not paying attention, the mind is elsewhere, the ears are open and there's a talk going on, but you don't hear. That means the mind illumines the ears and the eyes. Mind is the light which illumines the senses. The senses are the light which illumines external objects. But the mind itself is illumined by awareness, by the one constant light of awareness. So that one constant light of awareness, which illumines the contents of the mind and thereby the senses and the world, that one constant unflickering light is called consciousness. Or here it's called the golden hue, the, the radiance of that higher word. Shankaracharya says, Rukmasya Yavava Jyoti Asya Avinashi. So says, why golden? Uh, because it's it has got this uh, undimmed shine as of gold. You know, gold, if you just uh, uh, scrub it a little, its uh, natural radiance shines forth. So similarly, pure consciousness is always unflickering awareness. In waking, dreaming, deep sleep, in seeing, hearing, smelling, tasting, touching, in enjoyment, in pain, in memory, in creativity, in understanding, in forgetting, everywhere. Consciousness is undimmed. So, then what happens when you realize that I am that one consciousness? But what is that consciousness? Kartaram, so the important adjectives are given. Kartaram, it is the one agent. We realize that the higher bird God is the only doer in this entire universe. Until now, I thought I was doing. And as a result of my doing, I got these fruits, sweet and bitter. But now I realize there is only one doer in all the trees, in all the bodies. There is this one being, which Krishna says in the Gita, I make all beings whirl around like puppets on a machine. Yantra Arura, literally on a machine. He says, like, not puppets on a string, puppets on a machine. So I make them whirl around. I'm the one agent in this entire universe. So, so much for our free will. So we realize 
this God is also nothing but pure consciousness. So the pure consciousness ultimately as God is the one doer. And in delusion, as us, as you and I, we are also that one doer. We think of ourselves as the doer. But who is really the doer here? Not the sentient being, not the jiva. Actually God. Not even God. Ultimately it is that one pure consciousness, the only reality of this universe. I am that. Kattaram. Isham, the lord of the universe. The one lord of the universe. See, um, the lord of the universe is the one, one who um, projects this entire universe. So this entire universe, the creator of this universe, that's the definition of God in all theistic religions. You are that. One might protest here, but I am not God. You just said God is omnipotent, omniscient. I don't feel omnipotent, omniscient. No, we are not omnipotent, omniscient as a sentient being, individual sentient being, as the lower bird. But what we are, this one consciousness, it's the same glass which with the orange cloth thinks it's God. With the brown uh, background thinks it's a, it's a lower bird or a sentient being. But basically it's the same thing. It's, it's the same, same consciousness, pure consciousness. So that one, Isham, the Lord of the universe. And then the next, Purusham. Purusham here means that one spiritual being, it has two meanings. One is Purishayanatiti Purusham. Both meanings are useful here. Purishayanatiti Purusham, that which um, relaxes, lies down in this body. Puri means in the city of this body. In the city which is this body, there is one being which is which is like a couch potato, lying down and relaxing and stretching out in your heart. Uh, that is Purusha, the pure consciousness. Also, uh, Puranat, that which fills up the entire universe. That which pervades the entire universe. That is also Purusha. So here, as the higher bird, it pervades the entire universe. And the same Purusha, as the lower bird, it is here in this body. Uh, higher bird also is here in this body. So you realize the Purusha, and you realize, I am that Purusha. Brahma Yonim. Uh, it is Brahman. This pure consciousness is Brahman, the ultimate rea reality. And Yonim, the source of this entire universe. And two meanings are there. Brahma Yonim means Brahman, which is the source of this entire universe. Or Brahman, which is the source of the, that which is the source of Brahma, the lower you know, Brahma is the creator Brahma, um, Brahma, Vishnu, Maheshwara. So the iconography of uh, Vishnu lying on the um, the serpent, thousand-hooded serpent, Sheshanaga, and there's a lotus which blooms from the navel of Vishnu, and Brahma appears there, uh, blinking suddenly in the first day of the new universe. I have come, so I have to make a new universe. What is the source of that Brahma? It is, it is, it is Brahman. The, uh, it is a God or the pure consciousness. So I'm the source of of Brahma. Uh, I am Brahman, the source of the universe, or I am that which is the source of Brahma. In both cases, it's you can say. Then what will happen? The result of all of this. What will I get out of all of this? Tada Vidwan. When, when, when you realize this, when you see this. I am the pure consciousness. Uh, and then you'll be called Vidwan, the one who knows. The one who knows. What happens? Punya Pape Vidhuya. You are cleansed of 
all dirt. What is dirt? Punya papa. All merit and demerit. Papa means all the bad karma that we have done, all the sins that we have accumulated in countless lifetimes. We are, thank God we are not aware of it, what we have done and what we have accumulated in countless lifetimes. We would, the burden would be so terrible, we would probably be paralyzed. Um, there is a great, great saint, Yamuna Acharya, who was the guru of um, Ramanuja. Um, either him or his guru wrote a very beautiful hymn of surrender to Vishnu. Now remember, the person who's written this is a saint, led a saintly life. And in that hymn, where he surrenders to Vishnu, he says, I am aware of being aware of what I am. I cannot even ask for your forgiveness. I do not deserve forgiveness. I, I wouldn't forgive myself. So I throw myself upon your mercy. Do with me what you will. It is entirely acceptable to me. Now, who is saying this? The one who, is a, who has led a very saintly life all his life. He's a guru to so many people. And that person is saying, I, I do not deserve forgiveness. I cannot even ask for forgiveness. When I... So we are not even aware of what we have accumulated in many, many, many past lives. And so that's dirt. We need to be cleansed of it. But also he's saying, punya, all the good that we have done in all past lives. That's also treated as dirt. You have to be cleansed of it. Why? Because it is because of this punni and papa that these trees are coming uh, one after another, bearing sweet, sweet, sweet fruits, the result of my punni, of my merit, and bitter fruits, the result of my uh, papa, demerits, my, my sins in past lives. So these trees are coming again and again and again, and these fruits are there, which I peck and I taste from lifetime to lifetime. All these, so the seeds have to be destroyed, the good ones and the bad ones. Then you are set free. Punya pape vidhuya. You are cleansed of all your sins. You are cleansed of all the good that you have done. <laughs> and then what happens? If I have no, no bad karma, no good karma, set, set free from both, what a beautiful destiny. Niranjana paramam samyam upeti. You attain to sameness. What a strange result. He says, Samyam Upeti. You, you attain to sameness. What sameness? Paramam, the ultimate, the absolute sameness. The commentator says here, that is Advaitam. You attain to non-duality. Niranjana, stainless, free of all taint. A one homogeneous non-duality, one existence consciousness place where there is no second at all. There is no possibility of any samsara. There is no possibility of any harm, of any sin, of any good and bad. Shankaracharya says here in his commentary, he says, Atishayam Samyam Advaya Lakshanam. The oneness, the sameness, sameness which is characterized by non duality. And then he says, there, there can be a forced sameness in duality. Brotherhood of all men in this world, huh? we all brothers everywhere arise, the sisterhood of all women, it is forced because the, the differences are still there. The good and the bad are up, uh, higher and lower and all of those are still there. 
whatever we when we try to bring about sameness in duality in this samsara as we see it it will be a forced sameness it will not be an ultimate sameness it is always there will be differences there always there will be trouble there this is this is paramam samyam the ultimate uh, oneness the ultimate sameness the ultimate equality which is identity with brahman where you see no higher no lower if you are the water in all the waves which wave do you think is higher which wave will you be contemptuous of none because you they are all you niranjana and it's a faultless sameness there is no problem there there is no suffering there there is no craving there you are set free and this is the the thing is this is the reality of the world right now it's not something that you have to achieve it's something that we are not seeing not seeing this we become the lower bird seeing this and we see this only when we approach the higher bird and then we see the real nature then only the he says only the golden hue is left the radiance is left all right one more the same uh, topic is continuing a result of enlightenment very beautiful verse very beautiful mantra fourth mantra prano yesha yas sarvabhutair vibhati bijanan vidwan bhavate nativadi atma kriya atma rati kriyavan esha brahma vidam varishthah another very profound mantra what happens upon enlightenment the fourth mantra so this one the one who is enlightened is verily the verily the prana the vital force which shines divergently through all beings knowing this the, the illumined person has no further occasion to go beyond anything in his talk he disports in the self delights in the self and is engrossed in spiritual effort this one is the chief among the knowers of brahman a lot to unpack here the enlightened one is called prana so this word prana is interesting because we in vedanta we keep talking about brahman atman pure consciousness existence consciousness bliss but if you go to the upanishads like this one and other upanishads a term which comes again and again and again is prana and that seems to have been occluded sort of made to disappear in classical advaita vedanta i asked one of my advaita teachers once and i was fascinated by advaita vedanta studying and beginning to understand it I asked one of my vedanta teachers a very austere monk uh, one day i still remember i said swami this is one reality brahman and we are that he said yes then why this other talk about you know shakti and uh, just talk about brahman and you are brahman that's it finished he said no that won't work the fact is that our experience of the world is that you are something there is a reality but there is also this world this world of high and low good and bad this world is where you are trying to become spiritual this world is where you are suffering and enjoying where the worldly person is trying to attain fulfillment and struggling for some kind of you know achievement fulfillment in life this world is the very place where the spiritual seeker is studying meditating praying and trying to attain um, an enlightenment you can't deny this world if it if you describe brahman as limitless existence consciousness bliss it doesn't match with what we are experiencing right now you have to connect these two so shakti 
in uh, in Shaivism, in Tantra, uh, in um, so there are always these two are talked about Shiva and Shakti. Or when Sri Ramakrishna was a devotee of the Divine Mother, Kali and Brahma, or Kali and Shiva. Now in the Vedas, in the Upanishads, the Shakti term doesn't come much, but the corresponding term is Prana. Is Prana. Is, prana stands for life, for energy, for activity, for manifestation, for creation, for preservation. So the reality is called Satya, reality. Atma, Brahma, and this universe, it is Prana. It is Prana which works upon Brahman and manifests this universe. So Prana is the corresponding term for Shakti, roughly, in the Vedic terminology. In the Tantric terminology, you will find more and more Shakti. In the Vedic terminology, it was there as Prana. And Prana has multiple meanings. It is the biological, physiological life forces within our body. We talk about Pancha Prana. But it's also the, the energy which runs this entire universe, which sustains life in, on this world, which sustains this entire universe of names and forms. So Prana. Here, you find another meaning of prana. Um, the meaning of prana here is Brahman. See, the word prana is used in multiple senses. So in this fourth mantra, prana here is Brahman in the sense, the essence of prana. What is the reality of this prana? It is Brahman. It is pure consciousness. It is that higher bird. You realize prana. I am this prana. I am. And remember, here Brahman means the akshara. Don't forget the beginning of the Upanishad. The student had gone to the teacher and said, Sir, teach me that by knowing which everything is known. And the teacher said, I shall teach you the imperishable Akshara. They're talking about that Akshara. Having realized I am that Akshara. And that Satchidananda, existence consciousness place, that ultimate reality, that transcendent reality. What is that? It's right here. Because of prana. So the prana is a kind of bridge word. Because of prana, it is that transcendent reality which is now appearing in front of you as this, these living beings, as this human being, this man, this woman, this house, this sky and this earth, um, the stars and planets, as this living body, as the very breath which in-breath and the out-breath, as enjoyment and suffering, as every bit of the tree. It is that same Brahman, that same Akshara which is appearing in this way. We had just read in the last Mundaka, very beautiful mantra, upon enlightenment, 11th mantra of the last uh, Mundaka, 2.2.11. Brahme Vedam Amritam Purastad. That immortal Brahman, transcendent immortal Brahman, where is it? It's in front of you. Open your eyes, don't close your eyes in meditation. Open your eyes and take a look. What is in front of you? That's Brahman. Brahma Purastad. Brahma Paschad, what's behind you? Look behind you. There's Brahman. Brahma Dakshinatas Chottarena. To your left and right is Brahman. Adhas Chaudhamcha Prasitam Brahma Eva. Above and below, below you, there is Brahman alone. Idam Vishwam Idam Varishtam. That transcendent Brahman, which is beyond this universe, is this very universe also. How is it possible? It's because of Shakti or Prana. And that same Brahman appears in this way. We don't see it. We don't see that Brahman. We see just this universe. 
We just see the universe. We see the waves. We don't get what water is. So, Sarvabhutair Vibhati. With eyes closed, existence, consciousness, bliss, and this pure consciousness. With eyes open, here is Brahman. To your left is Brahman. To your right is Brahman. Every being all around you is Brahman. Above and below, this meanest thing and the highest thing. Vivekananda put it this way. What shocking language. Imagine, late 19th century America. He says, every worm is verily brother to the Nazarene. What is the highest manifestation in the universe? He's talking to Americans, Christians here. Jesus Christ, avatar, incarnation of God, the highest manifestation. And what's the lowest manifest manifestation? You can look at the humble worm in your garden. Every worm is brother to the Nazarene. It is that one limitless existence, consciousness, bliss, which appears as the greatest manifestation in, in the, the spiritual giant, what we all aspire to. It is appearing as the higher bird. But it also appears as the lower bird. It appears as every leaf and branch and fruit of the tree. Vijan and Vidwan, having realized this, again the same word, Vidwan, you realize it, not believe in it, not meditate upon it, not debate upon it, not speculate about, about it. No, you know it, you realize it. Bhavate Nati Vadi. So when one becomes enlightened, many descriptions are there. Brihadaranyakupanishad, it says, Abhayam vai praptos, you have attained to fearlessness, O emperor. So one, sign, one characteristic of the enlightened is fearlessness. Another characteristic of the enlightened one is seeing the sameness everywhere. The Gita says, the one who sees in the high caste Brahmin and in the low caste one and in an elephant and in a dog, he sees the same divinity. They are exactly the same reality. So all the so-called differences of um, uh, of life and society and all, they are all in ignorance. The reality is that there is one, one divinity everywhere. So one who sees the sameness everywhere, that's another sign of enlightenment. Here another interesting sign of enlightenment is given. Bhavati Nati Vadi. I wonder how Gambiranji translated it. This is an interesting term. Ati Vadi. It means he has no further occasion to go beyond anything in his talk. Okay. So difficult to translate. That's why it seems mysterious. What is this? Ativadi. Vadi is the one who talks. The one who you know, holds a position, talks. Ativadi. The one who goes beyond, crosses limits in his talk. Now, what does this mean? So this is a Vedic word. The primary use was um, derogatory. Was derogatory. It's often translated as a tall talker. So the person who understands the philosophy of Advaita. What's the result? He becomes a tall talker. Uh, talks about things beyond his understanding. And there is Brahman, ultimate existence, consciousness, place. I am that Brahman. No, 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 no. That's, those are not the signs of an enlightened one. And so goes around giving classes on YouTube and all. Not the signs of an enlightened one. What is the sign of an enlightened one? Does not talk. Bhavate Nati Vadi. Sri Ramakrishna put it this way. He said, when you fill a pitcher with water, imagine a big pot being filled with water. There's a gurgling sound. The empty pot makes a gurgling sound. But when the pot becomes full, almost full, you will see the sound stops. There is no gurgling sound anymore. So the full pot doesn't make much uh, sound. Of course, then Sri Ramakrishna says, later on, if you empty the pot into something else, 
the pot is water is poured in something else, again a gurgling sound might come. Another example the Sri Ramakrishna gives of, is of the honey bee, which buzzes around, makes a buzzing sound and buzzes around. But once it settles on a flower and starts extracting the sense of the flower, it stops buzzing. It sits, it becomes quiet. Um, although Sri Ramakrishna's descriptions are very beautiful, he says, sometimes in its joy, the bee can make a little buzzing sound. He says a little humming sound. <laughs> it's, it's enjoying itself so much, it hums a little to itself. Um, so, bhavate nati vadi literally means, it literally means does not cross anything. Now, cross anything means the one who has not realized that there is one divinity in everything talks over others. You know, um, has some inkling of, I don't know how better to explain this, has some inkling of Brahman, but, you know, in trying to explain it to others, in trying to debate with others, in trying to cut down others, in trying to propagate his views, maybe talks over others, crosses limits. It's often translated as a tall, becomes a tall talker. But the one who is fully enlightened becomes quiet. Whom will I say? To whom will I explain? Uh, one interesting thing about some of the direct disciples of Sri Ramakrishna was they would often scold their disciples quite harshly. And then towards the end, they would become quiet. You know? uh, Advaitananda himself, uh, he, he was in the monastery, the youngsters who came to become monks. So Swami Advaitananda, the disciple of Sri Ramakrishna, was quite strict. He would scold them. But then after some time, he stopped. And uh, somebody asked him, so why aren't you scolding us? And he said, you know, Sri Ramakrishna came to me in a dream and, and he showed that he alone has become everybody. And therefore, I don't scold anymore. I can't. Um, another time, Swami Shivananda, who was the president of the order. So everybody used to come in the morning to bow down to him, devotees and monks. One day, and so... Everybody is supposed to bow down to him. But one, at one point they saw that whenever somebody entered his room, he would bow down to them. So they naturally they felt a little upset. So finally one of them uh, asked him, Swami, why are you doing this? People are feeling uh, uneasy. Yeah. Especially you know, in, in Indian society, if you're going to a holy person, you expect to bow down to the person. If that person starts bowing down to you and you feel immediately feel uneasy, or, you know, you feel, have I done something wrong? Or is he annoyed with me? Or what's, what's going on? And Swami Shivananda said, what can I do? When they come in front of me, I can't see their human side. I see their Ishta Devata. That means the chosen ideal. God in the form in which they should practice God. You know, the higher bird. I can't see, literally in terms of the Mundakopanishad. I can't see the lower bird. He didn't say that. But I'm speaking in terms of the Mundakopanishad. He said, I can't see the human side. I see the uh, Ishta Devata. And when I bow down to God, and then that form disappears and the human being comes. Otherwise, how can I give instructions? How can I? I can't give instructions to God. So it's like the enlightened one, when he comes across every one of us, he, uh, that person, he or she, will see not the lower bird, will see the reality. The reality is the higher bird in each of us. Um, so, becomes quiet. Whom will he talk to? Uh, what will he say? 
because the, the sight, their vision is so clear, they see divinity everywhere. And after that, there's nothing left to say. So, bhavate nati vadi. This is a sort of peculiar way of indicating enlightenment. And then multiple terms are used. One, two, three terms. Atma krida. Krida means play. So, plays in the self. Plays in the self means, where do you play? Do you play in the world outside? Uh, and so, whatever the person is doing, interacting with people, being by himself, is playing with the Atman because he, he sees the Atman everywhere. He says, my Lord alone is playing with me in all these forms. Atma Krida. So in all the interactions with all living beings, whether spiritual seekers, worldly people, animals, whatever it is, Atma Krida is playing with the Atman. All interactions for this enlightened one are play. Play with whom? Play with the Atman, with one, one's own self. And when one withdraws from the external world, into one's own self, into the subjective self. Atma Rati becomes immersed in the joy of the Atman. See, the way we experience the world is subject-object. I am the subject and this is the object. And now I play with the objects. My play with the objects depends on, uh, you know, likes and dislikes, the lower bird. There's some fruits the lower bird enjoys, the others the lower bird hates and tries to eat these fruits and avoid those fruits. That's how our life goes on. We're trying to get satisfaction in the world uh, by our experiences in the world or we turn inwards into ourselves um, our the subject itself but for the enlightened one with the eyes open sees god the same existence consciousness plays so plays with not the world but plays with the atman inwards the subject i myself what am i i'm the same existence consciousness place so immersed in the bliss of of brahman atmarati enjoys Atman inwardly. Um, then, interesting word, Kriyavan, Kriyavan, full of activity. You would expect such a person to finally retire from activity, you know, um, become, become enlightened, I'm done with my play, now I'll only meditate or, uh, you know, read a few Vedanta books and that's it, I've retired now. No, he says Kriyavan, full of activity. So, this shows that external activity has no conflict with non-duality. Um, the best verse for this is in the Bhagavad Gita. Brahmarpanam brahmavi, brahmagno brahmanahutam, brahmhevate nagantabhyam, brahmakarma samadhina. The one who sees Brahman in all activities, that person is called brahmakarma samadhi. Brahmakarma samadhi, the term, is the name of the enlightened one. The one who sees Brahman in all activity. This is a powerful instruction to Arjuna, who is a warrior, who has to engage in action. Can you be fully enlightened and yet be engaged with the world? Krishna says, yes, why not? Yeah. Um, then, the, all the factors involved in action, you the one who are doing the work, the instruments with which you are doing the work, the people for whom you are doing the work, the work itself, all of it is Brahman. The example of a Vedic ritual is given. Um, Brahmarpanam, the ladle with which one offers the offerings into the fire, that is Brahman. Brahmagni, the fire into which one offers the offerings, that fire is Brahman. Um, the priest who offers the offerings, that priest is Brahman. The offerings themselves are Brahman. The one who sees Brahman in every action, in the midst of action, that one attains to Brahman. So, 
all of this can be seen as an explanation of this one word, kriyavan, full of activity. Need not withdraw from activity. So that explains how someone like Shankaracharya, Vivekananda, they were full of activity, but are all full of activity? Ramanavarshi was not act, was not apparently full of activity. So you cannot make a prescription about the enlightened one. The enlightened one has to be like this or will not be like that. Uh, you cannot say. It can be full of activity from our perspective. And that, that person, if you ask that person, so you are doing lots of things. The person can say honestly, no, I'm not doing anything at all. <laughs> only Brahman in all activity and in absence of activity there is only one existence consciousness place and such a one such a one is the greatest knower of Brahman so this is an interesting use of the term the greatest knower of Brahman because there are these four gradations of the knowers of Brahman uh, you know, traditionally, Brahmavit, the knower of Brahman, that enlightened one. Then Brahmavit Vara, Brahmavit Varyan, Brahmavit Varishta. Three higher stages. And those stages are classified as deeper and deeper levels of samadhi, of absorption in Brahman. Brahmavit is the enlightened one, the one who's enlightened. Higher than this is supposed to be Brahmavit Vara, the superior knower of Brahman, who can, who's not only enlightened, but also can become absorbed in Brahman, in Nirvikalpa Samadhi. But we'll come back once in a while, by force of past karma. So that is Brahma with Vara, superior knower of Brahman. Then higher than this, Brahma with Varyan, the, the even greater, uh, the superlative knower of Brahman. The one who not only has realized I am Brahman, but also can become absorbed in Nirvikalpa Samadhi, and will not come back by himself until the one is roused by, you know, there are certain ways of bringing such a person back. Sri Ramakrishna is to teach his close disciples that if you see my samadhi in this way, chant this mantra in my ears so that I become aware of the external world. Or Sri Ramakrishna would put a desire in his own mind. I will have a glass of water or something like that. And then that desire would bring him back into this world. So Brahmavid Variyan, those who will by themselves cannot come back, they need some help to bring them back to awareness of this manifested world. And then the highest knower of Brahman, Brahmavid Varishta, the same word which is uh, used here, the knower of Brahman is the superior, most supreme, is the person who can, who's not only realizes I am Brahman, can become absorbed in Brahman, in Nirvikalpa Samadhi, and will not come back either by past karma, by our own efforts, or by the help of anybody, will not come back at all. So Sri Ramakrishna says, such persons, within 21 days, the body will go away. Because the body will not get any sustenance, the body will drop off. Now, that's the um, one, one way of looking at it, uh, traditionally. Upanishad says, the highest knower of Brahman, Brahma with Varishta, uh, Brahma Vidam Varishta, the knower, highest knower of Brahman is what? Fully absorbed in Nirvikalpa Samadhi and never come back into this world. He says, no, 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 fully active. Day and night, busy. Um, you know, working for the welfare of others, doing whatever. We don't know what that person will do. Uh, he could be active in whatever. Because for that person with eyes closed and eyes open, in samadhi and out of samadhi, it's the same reality. It, it doesn't make a difference. Whether the mind, the subject turn inwards is Brahman, 
the object turned outwards is Brahman. There is really no difference for that enlightened one. That person is attained to Niranjanam Paramam Samyam Upeti, is attained to faultless oneness with Brahman. That, that, um, sar, that Sarvatra Samam Brahman Sarvatra Samadarshana Nidosham Hi Samam Brahma One even existence consciousness place Nidosham without any fault without any unhappiness bad karma without any good and bad without any uh, name and form one unmanifest ocean of existence everywhere has attained to that Good. So this is enlightenment and very powerfully poetically described in these mantras with the metaphor of the two birds. Let's look at some observations. Vijay says, can you please clarify the verse? Brahmayan sarvabhutani yantra rudhani mayaya in relation to karma yoga and free will. Yes, that is the realization of an enlightened person. Until that time, we have to assume that we have free will and keep on working. Um, karma yoga is the one which shows us. You know, karma yoga, we acknowledge that actually we don't have free will. The only doer is Ishwara. And we are being whirled around by the will of Ishwara. Brahmayan Sarvabhutani. Practically speaking, we have to assume we have free will. And we do assume. You don't have to teach us. Everybody assumes uh, instinctively that we have got some free will. And society is also organized in that way. But upon spiritual development, we realize we don't have free will. It is, you know, as we said in the mantra, Kattarmisham, there is only one doer. And that is the higher bird in each one of us. The same one bird. Um, Sonali says the Hanuman story illustrates we would realize duality, qualified non-duality or non-duality depending on perspective identification. So this shift or seeing or two identity becomes crucial. True. Um, the identification, uh, you know, after you realize that you are Brahman, one existence consciousness place and everything is one existence consciousness place. But after that also this body keeps on appearing and the world keeps on appearing at least for a while as long as you are a Jeevan Mukta. From our perspective, you will be the Jeevan Mukta. And the Jeevan Mukta can and does act in identification with the body knowing full well that I am Brahman. This body also is Brahman. This body, mind, the entire universe is Brahman. That's very clear to the Jeevan Mukta. But one can act as this person through this body and say I am the servant of the Lord just like any devotee. One can be that I am this sentient being and I am a part of one organic divinity, Vishishtadvaita. But in truth, the enlightened one fully knows there is only one limitless existence consciousness place. I am that. Yeah. For one who has grasped Advaita Vedanta, here we are talking about um, at least understanding it, not a fully enlightened one. Even if you have understood it, if you grasped Advaita Vedanta, the other two stages become pretty easy to grasp. The, uh, in identification with the body, I am your servant. In identification with the you know, mind, the subtle body, I am your part and you are the whole. But as pure consciousness, there is only one reality. I am that one reality. No higher bird, no lower bird there. Girish says, what is an avatar vis-a-vis -vis Saguna Brahma Jivan Mukti? 
सो अवतार इज सगुण ब्रह्मन ईश्वर अलोन कम्स एज अवतार जीवन मुक्ति इज अंटियंट बींग्स द लोअर बर्ड हु रियलाइजेस this identity with the higher bird and now becomes enlightened but still continues to live on that same uh, i'm sort of stretching that metaphor that same tree is still there and the same life continues but you realize the truth you are a jeevan mukta and you can manifest it in life you are jeevan mukta but the avatar is saguna brahman ishwara who comes down to us behaves like us and helps us towards enlightenment avatar is always fully enlightened avatar doesn't have to struggle to become enlightened so the example of avatars would be um, you know like rama or krishna or jesus um, in hinduism we accept even buddha as an avatar uh, so a uniquely powerful being that's there in every religion even religions which do not accept avatar a uniquely powerful being who is higher than saints or enlightened ones also who is at the source of that spiritual tradition peter says do we have no free will because we are name and form and will one day perish and existence of your consciousness is um why no free will i'll give you an argument from swami vivekananda um, you see um there is freedom pure consciousness is always free as atman as pure consciousness we are always free but when that pure consciousness becomes reflected in the mind and associated with a body there is really no freedom though it seems to be free we seem to have free will and uh, so sri ramakrishna says we, after some time we will realize we have no free will and it is all controlled by the will of god at this level but we have freedom as atman as pure consciousness as brahman so it's not that we are name and form will one day perish no name and form will perish we will not perish we are pure consciousness and therefore we cannot perish jiva brahmai vanapar you are brahman that's what we are reading right now these bodies will perish but um that one pure consciousness that radiance which appears as the higher bird will never perish even the lower bird doesn't perish you know when the, the particular tree dies it flies away to another tree that means it's born in another body sonali says the deepest sameness in duality can be when we say we are all human beings realizing the one consciousness that we are is most fundamental yes we can try to have oneness at the level of society and that's good all human beings we're all whatever our race white or brown or yellow or whatever we are we are all human beings whether we are men women or in any gender we are all human beings so that is the one oneness but the upanishad said and shankaracharya also says here that's a forced oneness it's good to have that oneness but the differences remain there and you will have to um, you know sort of uh, uh, insist on that oneness and overlook the differences whereas what the, the oneness we are talking about the sameness which we are talking about here paramam the the ultimate transcendent sameness where there is no sign of any difference at all where there is no possibility of difference it's just one ocean of existence consciousness place so and that's right here that's the huge claim of advaita vedanta we are not seeing it that's much more fundamental you are right girish says is maya also corresponding term for shakti yes maya is also corresponding term for shakti and i forgot to mention what is this maya or shakti made of 
In Vedanta, it's made of the three gunas, Sattva, Rajas, and Tamas. Parul says, uh, Maharaj, so as Shiva Shakti, Shakti is the Devi and Prana, is it's the life-giving, nurturing force, yes. But remember, when we say Devi, uh, when we say, we don't mean Maya, we mean Mahamaya. Devi, Mahamaya, Shakti, Kali, Durga, it's not just the power. It's the consciousness plus the power. Um, so the power is an outer aspect. The reality is consciousness. So when we're talking about the Divine Mother, we don't mean just the power. We mean that pure consciousness which we are calling Atman or Brahman plus the power. So the Divine Mother is everything. Um, that's why Swami Turiyananda was once asked, what's the difference between Shankara's Advaita and what Sri Ramakrishna taught? And he said, Shankara taught us the way to become free. What he's telling in these commentaries. So you're not the body, mind. You are not the lower bird. You are this pure consciousness. But Sri Ramakrishna also taught, after becoming free, how do you live in this world again? So you live in this world, uh, you are playing uh, you know, with the Divine Mother. Everything is the Divine Mother. So the, it all becomes a play between you and your mother and the Divine Mother. In that sense. You're fully enlightened. You know what's going on here. And then you live like that. Rick said, I interviewed someone the other day who claims to see the divinity in all beings, but who then concludes that no being's life is more valuable than others. For example, the life of a uh, of a child who might die of malaria is not more precious than the life of a mosquito which might infect the child. So therefore, we shouldn't kill the mosquito. How would you refute this argument? Oh, Sri Ramakrishna has given a nice refutation for this argument. Sri Ramakrishna says, he said to Ishwar Chandra Vidyasagar, when he went to meet Ishwar Chandra Vidyasagar, who was a great reformer in late 19th century Bengal. So Ishwar Chandra Vidyasagar asked this question to Sri Ramakrishna. Is there a difference of Shakti, of divine manifestation? And Sri Ramakrishna's answer was quite sarcastic. He said, of course there is. Otherwise, why have we come to see you? Have you grown too horned, sir? <laughs> you... So in you, we hear of a great manifestation of knowledge and other divine qualities of compassion uh, for others. And so we have come to see you. Sri Ramakrishna, this is the refutation. Shokti Tarotamno. Brahman is the same everywhere. But in life, this difference will be this. Um, the life everywhere, no one's being's life is more valuable than others. No, 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 no. No being is more valuable than others. We are all one Brahman. There, there cannot be anyone who is more valuable or less valuable. But the life, the manifestation in this world, some are higher manifestations, some are lower manifestations. And so, well, the human being, how do you know higher and lower? Well, we take human beings as a higher manifestation because Sri Ramakrishna says in, in this human birth, and Vedanta, Buddhism, all of them will say, in the human birth, we are able to realize God or become enlightened. And if becoming enlightened, God-realization is the goal of this entire cosmic drama, then we should give value to that which leads to God-realization. So is a mosquito's life more uh, valuable or a child's life? The child's life. Child's life. And don't worry, by killing the mosquito, you're not really killing the mosquito. You're destroying the mosquito body, but then maybe you're giving it a chance to <laughs> for a higher embodiment. Uh, don't kill unnecessarily, but... Uh, um, for example, you're sitting there and you're meditating and the mosquitoes come and bite you and you can't meditate anymore, but you don't want to kill the mosquitoes. Should you or shouldn't you? You should. 
uh, one of Sri Ramakrishna's great devotees was a very was a Vaishnava, very non-violent man, and they they were he was worried about whether he should kill mosquitoes or things like that, you know, insects. So one day he went to ask Sri Ramakrishna, and he saw Sri Ramakrishna had taken out the bedding from his room uh, and was you know getting rid of the bed bugs outside outside the room. And he said he had never seen Sri Ramakrishna do such a thing. But it's, he saw that it's like a teaching to him, probably. It's, it's been given as a teaching to him. So yes, be practical in those ways. You can take care of the mosquitoes, but that will be at the cost of your God-realization. Um, so yes. Always common sense, common sense. Sartre says, how to be monk-like in the world, how to identify an enlightened master. Yeah, please ask this next time. Um, because we are running out of time. Yes, Ramana Maharshi was quite active, Abhijit says, in many ashram activities. He did. If you look at his daily routine, he was quite mindful of what was going on around him. See, he did not take up activities by himself. But whatever came to him, um, as uh, you, know, you can say, prarabdha or by the will of Ishwara, he did all that very carefully, as he has given the 61 years of age, taking care of ashram animals, proofreading ashram publications, translating, translating various scriptures in many languages, editing compositions by devotees, and meeting so many, many people. Pranam, what is the difference in Bhautika and Adhyatmika of the world itself is manifestation of the divine. Uh, of the divine. Bhautika means this um, living being, uh, you know, all living beings around us. And uh, Adhyatmika means that is related to this particular body. Um, actually, no, no difference if from the perspective of Brahman or God. It's one Brahman or God. But from a practical perspective in this world, when we are, you know, interacting with each other, your observation itself will show, yes, this is the body, it is, it is mine, it's related to the self, Adhyatmika. And here are other living beings. Adibhautika. And here are non-living natural forces, Adidaivika. This is the this is a surface classification. If you go deeper than this, you will end up with Maya. If you go deeper than that, you will end up with Brahman. Alright. Good. Om Shanti 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 Hari Om Tat Sat. Shri Ramakrishna Rupa Namastu